Hello and welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast. Sandwiched neatly between two events as I just got back from Food Tech Eurasia in Istanbul and have a couple of weeks to try and catch up and likely fail and then it's off to Frankfurt for HIE. Next week, all being well, we'll have a preview of that show and this week we'll feature a couple of the interviews I did while in Turkey. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and this podcast is available on the DairyReporter.com website as well as on iTunes. And as we create our 10th program, it's quite possible we now have doubled our listeners and have made it to double figures. Or maybe that's just wishful thinking. I could probably fill the entire podcast with observations on Turkey, but to maintain the number of listeners we do have, I'll try and keep it short. It's a fantastic country with great, friendly people, although I do have to say I was beginning to think there was something wrong with me when I was approached on five occasions, twice in the street and three times in restaurants, about whether or not I was cold because I was just wearing a short-sleeved shirt. Perhaps they were concerned for my welfare, or perhaps they thought I was homeless, which I may well be if I go on a trip and buy even more football shirts again. It's true there were lots of locals in thick coats and woolly hats, but for me the low to mid-twenties or seventies Fahrenheit is kind of warm. I tried to explain how where I live right now it's wet and chilly and it was about four degrees when I left the airport, which was met not really with sympathy but more what have I done to deserve living in a place like that. Let's move on to the event itself in Turkey. Food Tech Eurasia is an impressive and very large event on the outskirts of Istanbul, filled with stands on packaging, processing, printing, and everything you could need, pretty much. There's a sub-show called Dairy Tech, which features a lot of dairy equipment, and it was interesting to learn about Turkey's position in the regional and global market. One thing I did learn from one of the exhibitors, which is probably the only tip I'll be able to pass on, is that there's a great opportunity for expansion in some of the Asian former Soviet republics, places such as Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, and one that was mentioned a few times, Uzbekistan. So that's the hot dairy reporter tip, and it's hopefully hot and not lukewarm. When I did the podcast from Seattle in Paris, I mentioned the dangers of the show, which a few people seem to like and agree with. In Istanbul, there weren't quite so many people and no suitcases on wheels, although I think people looking at phones and looking down is the new norm. At this event, there were a lot of cables and other things running under carpets, and anyone who knows me is now waiting for the injury. However, for once, I survived, although I did see one person wipe out on a particularly large mound, but fortunately she was okay. And It may seem minor, but the cafes at the event were actually reasonably priced, unlike some you go to where you need to take out a loan to eat, or you get a call from your credit card company saying, hello, Jim, um, we put a temporary hold on your card for suspicious activity. There's a charge on here for £10 for a bread roll. I'm sure that many people who have been to any of these events can relate. So finally, to today's programme. We'll feature two interviews from the event, one with Homak, and the other with Uzamak. Over the coming weeks, you'll be able to see video interviews with both of those companies, as well as with Smart Process and Capac. And we'll hear from Tate and Lyle about Middle East trends, direct from the Gulf Food Manufacturing event, taking place right now in Dubai, and then head to New Zealand to tackle the time zone difference and talk about Lewis Road Creamery's butter heading into the US market. 
And after a disappointing GDT event this week when most prices were down, we'll get the weekly update on the global dairy markets from Liam Fenton at INTL FC Stone. All right, well, a lot to get through this week's program, probably made worse by me rambling on for a few minutes at the beginning of the show. So we'll start it off with a couple of interviews from Turkey. First, we'll learn about Homac, a company that produces a variety of processing equipment for the region's dairy companies, from homogenizers to piston pumps, filling machines to a ricotta system. Engin Yetik is the company's plant director. We are Milkotek Homac uh, machinery company, so our brand is Homac. It's, uh, it started as a family company, so it's based on Izmir, Turkey. So we are a main business manufacturer of homogenizers. So at the beginning we start manufacturing homogenizer for daily applications. But then now uh, our application fields uh, is all around the world and in uh, let's say food and beverage, mostly daily. And we have also for chemical application, uh, pharmaceutical applications too. So we start uh, mostly with uh, domestics uh, clients, but now our company uh, manufacturing for all around the world from Australia to Canada, Brazil, Vietnam. And uh, now we are one of the leader uh, homogenizer manufacturer in the world. So we make solution for mostly for dairy uh, products. And how many uh, different products do you, do you have? For uh, our main business, business is homogenizer. For homogenizer, we have uh, different pressure and uh, different capacities. And other, uh, our product is uh, dispersion and other mixing uh, machines. And also we have yogurt filling machines. Right now, we are, I can say, around over 40 countries exporting and our sales I can say 95% exporting uh, for today. Yes, uh, at the beginning when we start, so we were local uh, small Turkish company, and then we were giving the, the small uh, daily companies. We were supplier, homogenizers. And then we start uh, making our business bigger, and then we did so much uh, innovation in our machines. Right now, we have the best homogenizer comparing all the other brands, especially European, which is the Italian and Germany, comparing to their brands. Because uh, this is our fourth generation uh, homogenizer. And then for the fourth one, we have uh, manufacturing. It has been uh, for three and four years. And how often do you make new machines? How often do you make new innovation? That has been uh, three years uh, with a new model just released. Before this one, it was a third generation model. Now we have the fourth generation that's cover uh, all uh, latest technology. When we design this, so we compare and then we check advantage and disadvantages, all the materials and all the specs comparing uh, weaknesses of other national brands. And so what, what makes yours better than all of the rest? Now we give the guarantee to our clients uh, 24 hours working with no problem with many years. So that makes a big reference to us. Our customers uh, bring more customers to us.
Uzumak is based in the eastern Turkish city of Izmir, and it's one of the leading machine manufacturers in the country, with a product range that includes processed cheese machinery, mozzarella processing lines, cream cheese equipment, cheese vats, pumps, curd conveyors, feta machinery, and a whole lot more. To tell us more about their products and the markets they sell to is Uzumak sales manager Inomyon Mirzoev. Uh, Uzumak is a company which was opened 25 years ago in the Izmir city. We produce the machines for dairy uh, sector. It is hard, semi-hard cheeses and also spreadable cheeses. Our the main uh, popular machines are mixers. Mixers can produce they are universal mixers and uh, you can produce as fresh cheeses, so sauces, mayonnaises, ketchups and cream cheese and so on. Now we uh, make export uh, more than uh, to 35 countries all over the world. The new countries for us is 15 countries of the previous USSR. It's a new market for us like uh, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan and so on. Uh, we are strong in uh, Africa, also in Europe. We have about five real good partnerships in, for example, India, Iran, Lithuania. We are looking for new contacts in this exhibition. We bring uh, very many machines for all kinds of products. Now we have four uh, big projects in Cyprus, in Iran, and we make plan for the full line from zero, from starting from the uh, milk receiving unit up to the packaging unit. It, uh, for example, mozzarella cheese, kashkaval cheese, gouda, uh, also cream cheese, also halloumi. Halloumi is uh, popular in Cyprus. Because of it, most of the companies, even Turkish companies, uh, move their production lines, especially of halloumi, to Cyprus and uh, from uh, Cyprus they make uh, export to other countries the ready product. We always, always try to, to make revision in our machines to do it better. For example, if the, we uh, have information that uh, there's some new filter, new type of filter, we try to use new type of filter in uh, the same machine. Or the same is, for example, a more small energy capacity motor, but the same power. We try to reduce kilowatts, but the same for the same result. Because uh, we have many clients uh, who bought from us small batch matching, and after one year, they ask us to sell them a new bigger one. And when we ask uh, whether they need to give us back the small one and get the biggest one, they said, no, no problem. We have uh, enough uh, work to do for this and the biggest one. Because of it, we have uh, many companies who bought three matchings, small batch, medium and the best, but they are using uh, all of them up now. In this year we uh, had uh, stands in Gulf of Dubai, in Seal Paris, in Pakistan, in Iran, Turkey. Uh, as you know, uh, from 6 uh, up to 8 November there is a big uh, exhibition in Gulf of Dubai and uh, Mr. Serdar, our uh, food engineer and the owner of the company, will uh, go to Dubai too. Because of it, the most biggest uh, exhibitions we have a stand. 
but not so big like in Turkey. Because it's, in Turkey it's easier to bring so big machines. To tell you the truth, this exhibition uh, first uh, about 10 or 5 years ago, as I uh, know, well, was started with the packaging machines. And last five years they're trying to, uh, to, to get uh, companies about the processing machines. And uh, as we are one of the biggest and the most high quality machines used, we need to be here. As we see last, last two days, there's really many visitors, really many visitors. And uh, we were surprised that some of them didn't visit our stand in CL Paris, but they came to Turkey from Algeria, Morocco, Europe. Tommy Luka Husum is Tayton Lyle's senior product manager based in Denmark. However, this week he's in Dubai, promoting the global ingredients company's products and solutions at Gulf Food Manufacturing. And he spoke to us from the extremely busy event about the Middle East market and Tayton Lyle's innovations being launched at the show. So, so we are here for myself. This is the second time in a row, but it's the fifth time that Tayton Lyle is present at the show. What's the show like for Tate and Lyle? For us, this region is a has been and is a developing region. So when we started here five years ago, we were not very well known by the industry. There has been quite a lot of efforts going into not just building a name in the region, but also establishing a team. And even even though that I've only been involved for two years, I can actually see the change all from last year to this year. It's really evident that what the that food and beverage producers here in this region need is exactly a perfect match for what Tate and Lyle is doing. It's important to, to go to these events on an annual basis so that you can build on that recognition that you get. It, it is, and I guess it goes across a lot of regions, but especially in this region, the physical face-to-face -face interactions are really important, not just for us, but, but for the industry and for, for the customers we have here. It, it gives us a chance for us to present not just the local team, but bring, to bring in all the capabilities from across the, the region to support and give and have conversations with the with the customers here. What are you seeing as the trends in the Middle East at the moment, or uh, is it would it be similar to other regions? I think it taps very well into what we see generally across the European region. There is a the poly slightly delayed, but it's coming into solution right quite now, which is all about sugar and calorie reduction. Primarily, you probably know that we're seeing more sugar tax coming in this region. Also, there's an increased awareness in the same sort of like same halo of better for you because there is an increased interest in fiber enrichment, which is eventually tapping into gut health and 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 how we can use our products to create some claims which are more in the natural space. Are you seeing any differences within regions in the Middle East? The whole Gulf region is, is really tapping into that now. I think if you, if you look across the, the wider scope of this conference here, even if you stretch it to the northern part of, of Africa, there are also in Egypt and Morocco uh, a, 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 an increasing interest in, in getting rid of some of the sugar. So a lot of the tendencies here coming all the way from South Africa and up also. So, so there are some pockets in Africa, like specifically around Kenya and South Africa specifically. Where, where these trends are, are rolling out very, very fast and we have a lot of interest there also. Are you launching anything at Gulf Food Manufacturing? Yeah, we showcased two of our new Stevia innovations. So we have a partnership with a company called Sweet Greenfield, 
we officially started working in the partnerships one and a half years ago. The setup on that is that Sweet Greenfield is a very well-founded senior provider. They have a virtually integrated process from basically from expertise around how you grow the plant, how you extract the products, and how you make the innovation. And Crane Lyle is the commercial arm and the technical sitting with the technical know-how about how we are building the formulations with customers. Specifically for this show, we are we are showing two new stevia innovations. We have in our already existing range a product called Optimizer range. We are adding another product to that range called Optimizer 4.10. This is a new stevia that is designed to give you similar taste probabilities and functions as what you traditionally would have found with the older generation of stevia products called Revolucide A. Um, but what it gives you is a better cost structure. You would typically see reductions around 15 20% in cost. And a sweetness, sweetness profile that is more harmonized, that means you are, you're no longer struggling with the, the bitter aftertaste. That's a product that fits really nice in beverages, it fits in dairy products. The second product we are launching is a premium product called Intest Stevia 2.0. In our portfolio, we, we already have a range of premium products, which are more designed to give you very high level of uh, sugar replacement without compromising in taste. This product is based on the optimized technology, but still using some of the more sugar-like tasting part of the stevia plant leaf. What it effectively does is that it, it enables you to replace up to eight or nine grams of sugar per 100 grams without compromising in taste. But compared to the other premium re- uh, products in, in this segment, it comes with a, a cost a benefit of around 15%. And this one is a product that we are, uh, in, this, in this case, we, we're launching it here in a beverage where we're aiming for non-added sugar in a lychee red fruit drink. When it comes to formulating products, how do you combine different ingredients? Because obviously you mentioned the, fr- the fruit beverages, they're, they're different in their composition to a dairy beverage. That's where I actually think that, that Peyton line is quite unique in, in, in this segment, Um if you look across many of the stevia providers in the world, they specialize on stevia. Peyton Lyle is a solution provider that can, based on our portfolio, also address the other issues you would naturally get when you start pulling sugar out. So in case of, for instance, yogurt, we have in our portfolio stabilizing systems, and we have uh, fibers, uh, and, and a combination of those, and even including clean label starches, we are able to come up with a, a holistic solution for uh, sugar replacement. And, and that's really truly the nature of the way that we work with our customers here. We would rather not focus on one single product, but really focus on how do we bring the right solutions and, and therefore help customers formulate their products. It's all about coming up with a solution that not just takes out the sugar, not just takes out the fat, but does it in a way that you create products that has a function which is better for you as a, as a consumer. And, and that's where I see that where traditionally sugar replacement was done by artificial sweeteners. There's, a, there's an increasing interest in finding natural solutions and, and replacing uh, the high intensity sweeteners with a natural, uh, from a natural source like stevia. Are you finding that companies at the events are coming to you looking for this kind of solution? Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's basically leading back to where we were in the beginning, where we were proactively trying to get people to understand what we were doing four and five years ago. 
today these customers are coming to actually with us with um, questions, not necessarily only here at Gulf Cruise, uh, but generally coming to Tate and Lyle because we're now seen as a very important player in that specific area in this region also. What's the response been like so far at the, the show this year? We've been extremely busy. It has been a very, very good show this year. We've seen a lot of our existing customers. We have had quite a good interaction with some of the global customers also, uh, even new prospects here in the region. I think it's been a, a great show. It's been overwhelming, I would say, but in a very positive way. While Dubai is only a few hours difference in terms of time zones, contacting New Zealand is another thing entirely. There's a 13-hour difference with the UK. While it might be a challenge to business, and certainly for interviews, Lewis Road Creamery has just expanded its footprint by launching its butter into the US market, where the time differences are definitely manageable. Peter Cullinane, founder and chairman of Lewis Road Creamery, can tell us more about the product and its entry into the U.S. market. We've just started, Jim, so I, got, I can send it through to you. I got a photograph yesterday of literally the very first purchaser of a block of uh, in Houston. So the next few months, we're, so, we're focusing on um, Texas, uh, so Dallas and Houston and Austin, and, um, and L.A., Air New Zealand flies into both of those cities and it's sort of quite well. I mean, New Zealand is reasonably well known in both of those markets. So, um, and a good foodie market. So, you know, we think that's a good place for us to start. The first stores that's gone into are central markets and uh, a range of supermarkets in LA called Erewhon. It's probably more partnership than a joint venture. So what what has happened in the last six months is Southern Pastures, which is a limited liability partnership. The guy behind that is Prem Man. He has a sort of a view of New Zealand's role, you know, 100 years hence, which is he starts at the farm level, but it's almost word for word sort of my view of where New Zealand should be heading as well. And so we they they took a cornerstone stake in us towards the end of last year, and that's given us sort of you know access to resources including um, big milk pool, and that combines with working with Westland Milk in uh, on the west coast of the South Island, where all the milk from Southern Pastures farms can be um, segregated and um, processed. Separately, so the first product to come out of that agreement is uh, artisan butter. The product is based on a product that's in New Zealand. So in New Zealand, uh, in our butter range, we have premium butters, which is in three different variants: so lightly salted and unsalted and sea salt crystal. Uh, and then we have um, artisan rolls, which are, uh, you know, has to date been a very small scale production. But it was the very first butter that I, you know, that I made. And what we're now doing really with the artisan butter is doing the same thing, but at a, obviously at a much bigger scale. What's the difference between that and other butters? This is the highest standard of um, grass-fed butter on the market. How are you promoting it there? We are doing it in two stages. And primary thing is, just as we did in New Zealand, is starting from day one, uh, very much with a social media focus. And at this stage, that is being geolocated and targeting around those key cities and frankly around the key supermarkets 
um, in those in those key cities, and we are just getting a, a whole influencer program underway as well. The most important thing is the product itself, um, and so the brand is obviously important, but the product you know has to be better than the brand, and we think we've got that. Is there much of a buzz around New Zealand in in the US, or is it more the the fact that it's the artisan and the grass fed that's um, uh, actually, it's sort of all three of those things. So I think New Zealand has a good reputation in the US. Um, New Zealand really through our tourism uh, more than anything. You know, this whole clean green um, position that New Zealand's had for the last 20 years or so um, is becoming pretty well understood. The sort of the two export markets that we are really focused on are um, the US, which is sort of the artisan butter market. And then China, which is um, a much more uh, milk uh, drink focused market. And in terms of the difference between it and other butters in terms of appearance and its flavour? So I'm obviously highly biased in this regard, but the first thing that strikes you is the colour. And, and actually it strikes me as well. Because it's grass-fed and in the New Zealand standard, that means 365 days of the year, the butter is, has, has a real sort of buttercup yellow to it. The texture, because it's that Fritz churn process, is quite velvety. And you mentioned food service as well, so are you yes. trying to get this into yes. restaurants? And... Um, I just think again, um, and it was the same thing in New Zealand. You know, the you know chefs are sort of living in you know it, it's their entire world. They sort of get it really quickly, and it does have a different taste. Again, it, you know, it took a while for New Zealanders to understand that as well. You know that. The, you know, you quite often you get people to begin with, they'd, they'd, they'd use a standard butter for baking and things, and then after that, just spreading. But the quality of the butter you use in cooking shows through in the, in the cooking. So I think um, chefs get that, and, and they will be an important part of our sort of influencer program, I think. Now it's time for our weekly look at the dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. We weren't able to bring you this feature last week because the time zone issue conspired against us to record it, or maybe it was just my incompetence, but hopefully we're now back on track. Butter was stable this week where quarter one is trading around the 44.50 level. Traded about €100 higher during the week, but Tuesday's GDT results had butter lower by about 1.7% and subsequently weighed on the European butter price. Cream has been relatively stable, however, to a little stronger, trading at the 5400 to 5500 level. Skimmel powder has been relatively stable also on the week, with quarter one trading at the 1665 level. It has been very active, however, a record day volume-wise where we, there was trading in excess of 3,000 tonnes on Monday. The results of the EU tender sale are still being awaited today and this has the market somewhat in a state of stagnation. GDT skimmel powder was up about 1.2% on last month's prices. Skimmel powder concentrate continues to be well supported also. Thanks, Liam. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tools and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. That's all we have time for this week, so please join us again next week on the Dairy Reporter Dairy Dialogue podcast.